Hi everyone, and welcome to the 103rd episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here alone again. Oh man. So, uh, let me give you an update on my current, my current situation. Uh, I've been here in Japan for about three weeks now. I love it so much here, uh, here in southern Japan. It's a uh, great weather, well, by my measure, at least coming from Florida, where it's always hot and humid. <laughs> I get plenty of that here. And uh, yeah, everything is so awesome here. Uh, I've recently been to the school that I'm going to be teaching at, and I introduced myself there. And uh, school year hasn't properly started yet, but uh, I can't wait to get started and start teaching all the cute little kids. <laughs> so awesome. Um, yeah, so as, as far as the current my current situation with regards to internet is concerned, I do have internet now, but it's super slow dsl internet <laughs> and it's um i'm getting like maybe a between one tenth and a quarter of what i'm paying for so i'm getting like so i'm supposed to be getting like 44 to 47 megabits per second when i'm actually getting like between like anywhere as low as like two megabits per second and as so far the highest i've seen is like 14 megabits per second so clearly something is up um I I think I'm I'm hoping this is all it is. Uh, they they are doing uh maintenance in the area to f- upgrade this this town to uh fiber optic lines, which once the second those that's available, I'm buying it. I don't care what what I have to do. I need fast internet again. That that way I can get streaming again. Because unfortunately I can't really stream on the internet that I have right now. It's too slow. Um. But yeah, uh, I think because that maintenance is going on, literally, they're literally working on stuff for my building uh, related to fiber optic lines. Hopefully that means uh, fiber optic internet will be here soon. And yeah, I think that's why my internet is so slow. If it's not, then I'm going to call and give them a piece of my mind Um as politely as possible because this is japan and also i don't really speak japanese so uh that that's it's gonna be a challenge regardless but hey every day is a new adventure here and i really enjoy that aspect of it as well so anyway for you new folks kingdom hearts union is part of the podcast series called final fantasy and kingdom hearts union and is presented by the gaming union network we release every tuesday rotating each week with final fantasy union and we come out on the itunes store kingdomheartsunion.com YouTube.com slash KHUnionVids and uh, Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KHUltimania. For this episode, we have three segments. First, we have a news segment. Second, we have a special Patreon spotlight segment where we have our uh, Patreon executive producer supporter, uh, Satria Jajazudarma. He's, uh, he joins us for that segment. Super good. And I think you guys are going to get a real kick out of it. I really enjoyed recording it. So, uh, Enjoy that when it comes up. And then finally, for our third segment, we have our question segment. In the way of announcements, as always, if you guys like the show, you'd like us to get better, and uh, you'd like to you know support everything we do, uh, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. Just pledge a dollar and get access to a special podcast called Please Be Excited. It's exclusive to Patreon supporters, and it's really interesting, so definitely check it out. It's a whole, whole different show. Can't complain about that. Anyway, 
So, our Patreon executive producers for this episode are as follows. First, we have Barry Norton, who is at Nortron Zero. We have Christian Thompson, who is at Orbits Gaming. Uh, We have Christian Burge. Uh, Jeremy, who's just listed as Jeremy here. Uh, Josh McNabb, who is at J2K9. Louis James. Satria Jajazudarma, who is at Satria625Rubin. We have Skylar Loveless, Tiger Crane, uh, who is at Paupu Milkshake, William Trengrove, who is at Varnish the Azure, Chris Morales, uh, Harley Crowley, who is at Dark ZT Okami, Michael Graham, Thorn Bullen, who is at Massacre23, Zach Duranto, who is at ZDuranto58, Alex Troutman, who is at Akira Namjin, Billy Jackson, who is at underscore Billy Jackson, uh, Genesis Alejandro, who is at Junison7, Jason Rivera, who is at Neo Acardiac. Uh, Joseph Robertson, who is at uh, PKMN Trainer J. Uh, Keith Field, who is at The Mighty Keith. Chris Russell, who is at The Ninja Max. Manning Franks, who is at Like underscore Peyton. We have Muhammad Kaim. Nico Gonzalez, who is at Nick underscore Nack95. Vita Nidus, who is at Vtron5000. Zelda Clone, who is at Apes Type Novels. Zero Yano, who is at Dearly Oblivion. All right. And uh, be a part of the show. Please send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. If there's anything that you really want us to talk about on this show, uh, please send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. If you have any like segment ideas, please submit them. We are in a bit of a news drought, so any ideas that you have will really help me out when I'm planning these episodes. So anyway, speaking of news, we've got some... Let's move on to the news segment. So, uh, the news for this episode is going to revolve around the big concerts that have been going on. Uh, and that is, obviously, Kingdom Hearts First Breath. The first Kingdom Hearts only concert ever. Which is why it's called First Breath. And if you don't know, uh, yeah, the Kingdom Hearts First Breath concerts are the first... Uh, a very small concert series. It's exclusive to Japan, and um, uh, they're all uh, wood or not wood instruments. <laughs> they're all uh, wind instruments. Some made of wood, some made of brass, some made of other things that wind instruments are made of. But regardless, it's all wind instruments. And uh, yeah, as far as we can tell, the general impressions so far have been very positive. Uh, I keep reading on Twitter about people crying, people being in tears after the show was over. Uh, even in the uh, interviews that I've seen uh, that were done by Yokushima Mora and Karu Wada, who is the uh, conductor slash uh, arranger from the Kingdom Hearts series, and Yokushima Mora, obviously the composer for the Kingdom Hearts series. Uh, in an interview, they actually talked about how se- they noticed several fans were crying throughout the uh, throughout the performance. Hopefully for good reasons. Uh, and Shimomura herself even said she almost shed a tear a few times. So that's that's great. I can't wait to uh, get to one of these Kingdom Hearts concerts. Uh, unfortunately, it'll probably have to wait until the world tour uh, makes it to Tokyo. And then I'll be able to go. Uh, because trust me, I've been trying. I've been trying real hard to see if I could get some tickets uh, to First Breath. But uh, no dice so far. Unfortunately, they were all sold via lottery in may so makes coming across tickets quite difficult and uh yeah it's pretty sad because i actually have two days off that i could take 
to like, hey, you know, want to go to Osaka? Sure. And I could take two days off and just go if I wanted to. And a flight to Osaka, uh, I don't think it'd be that bad, <laughs> that expensive. E- even if it is, I- I'd do it for Kingdom Hearts in a heartbeat. So in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh, it's so sad that I have to make these stupid puns by myself. Churro, Sabrina, can't wait till you get back here. It's hard to do these podcasts alone. Anyway, uh, so yeah, general impressions have been great about the First Breath concert. Uh, something interesting, though, and uh, one of the reasons why I thought it would be good to talk about this in the new segment, uh, there's a lot of surprises that are in store for not only First Breath, but the world tour. So basically, uh, Tetsuya Nomura said that uh, any concert that he is in attendance of, and he's not going to attend all of them, but any of these concerts whether it be first breath or world tour any of the concerts that he shows up at be ready because there's going to be something some surprises in store for that particular concert in the case of the first concerts that were done there was a special concert exclusive uh live uh voice acting performance by some voice actors in the uh you know in the in the kingdom hearts games i don't want to it's it's kind of difficult uh i I wasn't sure if i wanted to talk about any specifics of this particular uh audio play you could sort of say um because while they are concert exclusive so you know you'll never hear about it anyway otherwise i mean you won't get it in a game otherwise uh when reviewing the content of that particular play it seems to very potentially spoil some plot information from 0.2 and possibly kingdom hearts 3 but you know i'll leave that for you to decide i i'm electing not to talk about the specifics of it uh if you'd like to uh, know more about it you know just give it a google and you'll find it on your uh kingdom hearts fan site of choice and uh yeah there's you know full description i even think there's like a full script of what was said and uh it's quite interesting very very interesting characters to be meeting together i'll say that much um but yeah i, I would say just personal uh opinion on the content of that particular play if you don't want to have 0.2 spoiled for you in any way, or if you don't want anything from Kingdom Hearts 3 spoiled for you, uh, I, I don't feel like this is a necessary thing to see. Um, and I think it only really serves to uh, potentially ruin some interesting surprises uh, from 0.2 slash uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, potentially. I don't know. We'll see you in the future. So yeah, that's uh that's pretty much our our news segment for now. Um, unfortunately, you know, like I said, bit of a news drought right now. Hopefully, uh, when more of these concerts happen, maybe more surprises will come up, and we'll be able to talk about that. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, with Tokyo Game Show around the corner, you know, maybe there'll be more interesting stuff uh coming out of that. Uh, with regards to Tokyo Game Show, currently I don't plan to go. Um, even though I, I might be able to, my main concern is that because, uh, the school year for Japan starts in this, starts in September, 
Uh, it might be like, I think it would probably look bad if I started taking days off so early for, for me starting actual proper work here in Japan. So uh, I'm feeling like I should elect not to uh, take days off so soon. And um, I also have a limited amount of days to take off. So, you know, I think I might save that for things like um, uh, Final Fantasy 15 or, or Kingdom Hearts 0.2, uh, stuff like that. <laughs> so, yeah, probably not going to use my days off for Tokyo Game Show because it'll probably make me look bad and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's move along to the next segment. All right, now for our second segment, our Patreon Executive Producer Spotlight. On this segment, we have a special guest. We have Cetria. Woo! How's it going, Cetria? Hey, Brennan, what's up? Oh, man, (laughs) I'm doing great. And uh, I'm so happy that you're in Indonesia because it makes it so, so much easier to record with you than it is to record with my own co-hosts. It does. It, it does. Because <laughs> yeah, the time difference—that is a—that is a heck of a thing. That is a—that is a real Two thing, hours. guys. Time difference. Yeah. That's a Two real hours. thing. <laughs> yeah. Two hours. Yeah. So it's only two-hour time difference between uh, myself and Satria, uh, who's currently in Indonesia. Correct. Yes. Awesome. Um, I'm in the middle of my uh, summer vacation, um, mm-hmm. but in six days, uh, it'll be over very soon. <laughs> Oh, so sad. Make sure yeah. to eat lots of sea salt ice cream and uh, do do part-time jobs, skateboard, and all that. Yes, all that jazz. All that jazz, exactly. All right, so for this spotlight, uh, we basically have three parts to it, just like we have three parts to our show. The first part we're going to be discussing with Satria is your background with Kingdom Hearts. And I think, uh, you know, we established a good... Uh, a good uh, tradition with uh with nico last time we had a patreon spotlight so i think i want to continue it so with regards to your background first thing we got to know what was your first kingdom hearts game first kingdom hearts game you ever played which was your first Hmm. well well to begin with uh i knew kingdom hearts uh through my best friend from elementary school uh, Mm -hmm. and i want to give a shout out to my best friend uh, ray what's up ray um and (laughs) Yeah, and um, I wasn't into the PS2 games yet. I was still mm. at the the handhelds, like the GBA. Oh, gotcha. Uh, and so my first game is pretty much Chain of Memories. And Ooh, interesting. My experience with Chain of Memories was, it's a little bit odd, because how I viewed Kingdom Hearts had kind of had this anime-like quality where yeah. like missing a lot from the previous game that involves with Certain amount of characters and like their arcs, especially the first world with Traverse Town. Yep. Um, and even when they introduce new characters, they have this sort of anime quality-ish to them, like Marluxia and and Namine or yep. all the other organization members. Um, but that was the first first game that I played and finished actually before oh. moving on to first Kingdom Hearts. So uh, I think by the end of sixth grade, by the end of sixth sixth grade. Uh, I got my first PS2, and Kingdom Hearts was uh, was the next was the first game for that console. Oh, fantastic! So, yeah. branching off of that, so that was so Chain of Memories was your first Kingdom Hearts game, and Kingdom Hearts One was your second. Out of all the Kingdom Hearts games that you have played, which is your favorite Kingdom Hearts oh, game? Favorite game? Um, I feel like every Kingdom Hearts game that I played has been special, like mm. Chain of Memories. Although the PS2 version was kind of okay but the the gba version has special meaning to me um and like 
and also like the first Kingdom Hearts as well, and Kingdom Hearts 2. Um, but I think my favorite game would always be the newest ones, mm. and also involves with a story that it doesn't, I mean, a story that's not in progress, but it's like, it has this beginning and it has an end just like that, like one finished package. So yes. I would say Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3 is your favorite? <laughs> well, I hope I hope it would be my favorite. Hopefully um, but it will the, be. The, right now, yeah, hopefully it will be. But right now it will be Dream Drop Distance. Ah. Because first off, it's the 10th anniversary game. So yep. uh, celebrating its 10th birthday of the first game, they have to have something special. So I think Dream Drop Distance is the right package for it. Um, hmm. It's the, the most... I think it's the, it has a dense lore, and even if it flips everything that we've known about the series so far, like upside down, yeah. and then we've got this new revelation midway through it, um, that got me like completely shocked, and I still couldn't get over it like up to this day. Like even when I first played it, like yeah. I couldn't get my head wrapped around the fact that this is now happening, and now we're now going to. Kingdom Hearts 3 afterwards and yeah, like it, I definitely have to agree with you when it comes to Dream Drop Distance it kind of felt like with like maybe some of the prior games like Nomura was sort of tiptoeing around progressing the series forward and then Dream Drop Distance is like yep we're moving full steam ahead we are going into the future we're changing everything so yeah that's definitely the impression that I got when I was like preparing for the 100th episode and I was watching through the cutscenes is that while uh some of the other games that came out after Kingdom Hearts 2 they progressed the series forward a little bit. Like, 358 over 2 added a couple of things that were interesting to push the series forward. But it felt like a lot of those games were sort of tiptoeing around and trying not to push it too far because they knew Kingdom Hearts 3 was going to take forever. But Dream Drop Distance, uh-uh. They don't care. We're moving full steam ahead. We're doing crazy stuff. And I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that game. Well, not a lot, but it's like... It's for the fans. I mean, mm -hmm. the series had been has such a dedicated fan base and if you notice it even in E3 with what you guys were doing yeah yeah three like this year it it's an amazing fandom i guess um also it has interesting world selections i think it's one of the most random i guess because you have yeah it felt like a lot of maybe action. leftover worlds but they were still very good mhm mm and yeah again like live action worlds classics mm -hmm. Um, the animated classics, and yep. even directed video films. I'm like, yeah. wow. And, yeah, and also one of my favorite worlds in that game also happened to be an animated classic. Mm. Uh, it's Symphony of Sorcery. Oh, yes. Got yes. to pick the one with the orchestral music. Yes. It, but also I love Fantasia, actually. The, the oh, film. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Fantasia is fantastic. It is. And I have a strong appreciation for that film, like, as I... Uh, uh, mature to be a college student in yeah, a way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think Dream Drop Distance is also a game where you see a lot of Mickey in it because in the yeah, past, yeah. Mickey, like for instance in KH1, you only see Mickey at the very end because that's the point for you to play it is so you can see Mickey at the very end. Yep. And you get a bit of more of Mickey like in subsequent games, but I think Dream Drop Distance is where um, you, you kind of start with Mickey, but even, and then like you go to worlds where you have Mickey in it, and then you even end with Mickey. So it's yeah, pretty it's much... Yeah, definitely... And it's interesting because 
uh, in Kingdom Hearts 1, the whole reason they weren't allowed to show Mickey is because Disney was saying, uh-uh, we're not going to have Mickey in your little violent Japanese game. And, yeah. uh, you know, as the series went on and as the relationship between Square and Disney became, I guess, more trusting, they've allowed Mickey to get a lot more involved. So it's really interesting that now, finally, in Dream Drop Distance, you know, they you know they were able to explore Mickey as a character a lot more. And... uh Especially in the uh, Musketeers world, I can't wait to play that live on the TikTok yeah. stream eventually when we get to it because that that is the one world that I want to talk about the most uh, mm-hmm. with regards to the Disney worlds uh, in Dream Drop Distance because it mm-hmm. adds so much to the backstory of Mickey and Donald and Goofy. So and Minnie and Minnie and Minnie as well and Pete and Pete yes. of course. <laughs> so um, lots of really great stuff. So so Dream Drop Distance that was your favorite game, but there's been a lot of games. That's right. Yes. Which of the many games in the series doesn't rank as high, and in fact ranks the lowest in your eyes? Which is your least favorite Kingdom Hearts game? Hmm. Well, I think one of the attempts that one of the great thing about the series is its attempt to experiment, mm. like the way how a lot of the recent games had been mostly in handhelds. Um, yeah. But of course, it compromised the quality of the game itself and also the graphics. And so I think that the DS titles might be the lowest amongst mm. the other games. So I think for the lowest of the lowest is, uh, uh, I would say, um, Recoded, I guess. Yeah. Oh, Recoded actually have a really interesting... Battle system uh, and... Gameplay. Yeah, gameplay is amazing. But again, I mean, we keep telling ourselves that the story isn't that relevant to the progression of the series it's yeah. kind of like a, a detour before you go to the bridge which is uh dream drop distance before exactly. you get Hearts three yeah uh it though it does it does seem like uh in subsequent games nomura has tried to add in a little bit a couple of hooks into recoded to try to make it a little bit more relevant mm-hmm. but even still <laughs> Even still, I'm like, uh, you, you know, in, in the last episode, I, I made a uh, catch up guide. And basically, my recommendation was uh, you can pretty much just watch the secret ending and then move on. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty much all you need to do. That's not to say there aren't other valuable things and interesting things to see. But like, if you're trying to get caught up with the series, or even if you've already played Recoded and you want to go back and like review all the games, I personally do not feel that you know, taking on Recoded as a whole is necessary at all, so. Yeah. So, well, I think that's, uh, that that well summarizes your background with the Kingdom Hearts series. You, you know, you like a lot of the games. You started with Chain of Memories. Your current favorite is whatever the most recent one is. I think that's actually a very interesting spin, because a lot for a lot of people, their favorite is always their first, so it's good to see someone who has something that uh, breaks the mold. So, moving to something a little bit more topical... Speaking of uh, Kingdom Hearts 3D, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Kingdom Hearts 2.8, which I'm sure you're massively excited for because it's going to have your current favorite Kingdom Hearts game in it, and it's going <laughs> to propel the series even further. Yes. It's going to be awesome. Well, but <clears throat> something happened. Yeah. It, it kind of... Ha- actually, it's it's shaking up the gaming world. I would, I would argue that it shakes up the gaming world as a whole, and Kingdom Hearts 2.8 is just going along for the ride in getting affected by this but unfortunately final fantasy 15 has been delayed from yes. september 30th to november 29th 
Actually, way, yeah. By the way, if you have if you have an uncovered calendar, please switch it to the November uh, the November section <laughs> and enjoy the wonderful art that is there. Which, by the way, is mine. But that yeah. is beside the that is besides the point. But yes, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> Final Fantasy XV will be releasing at the very end, roughly speaking, the very end of November. And at E3 this year, we were informed that Kingdom Hearts 2.8 would be releasing in December. And if, you know, if you're, uh, you know, a man of the world and you know anything about selling video games in December, you really only have like two weeks to do that because, hey, there's a pretty big holiday <laughs> that's coming up, you know, three weeks into September. So you basically only have two weeks. So that is to say, uh, you have to finish Final Fantasy 15 in two weeks before you play 2.8. Roughly speaking, yeah. we don't even know when 2.8 is releasing. Could, for all we know, oh. it releases the day after. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> so basically, what, what this is all boiling down to, Satria, what do you think? about this situation and how it will affect 2.8 how do you how do you feel about this delay and uh you know is there any hope for for 2.8 and it selling well Mm. well for me personally i don't feel like like too fed up about this delay because um i could like other stuff like for instance uh, i just replayed uh recoded and i'm in the middle of replaying birth by sleep on playstation portable Mm. um and so it, like, it's getting about time for you to play Dream Drop Distance again. Uh, uh yeah, but pro- but in the two point eight. Yes, so, in two point like, eight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, uh, with my ex- also like recently, uh, I've just watched King's Clay Final Fantasy fifteen in in the theaters Ooh, in my exciting. country. So yeah, it, I'm I'm actually, I'm actually surprised they would have uh the film be shown in theaters in like a number of other countries outside of Europe and America. And I think it's it's great to have like a diverse um, fan base that's coming together to like witnessing a film that is being shown in their local theater and also perhaps watching it. Um, and I think with with Kingsclave that people do not need to be worried about the delay because they have something that's gonna like um, it gives them supplements before uh, overcoming uh, the next couple of fifteen. And also the ongoing episodes of Brotherhood that is yep. also, I believe it's already happening like during Gamescom and yep, they're going to have... one that was just released and there should be at least another one, at least one yeah, more episode like, to go. Yeah, one more episode. And then they have the Luna episode, which yes. I'm so looking forward to, but I need the, the ultimate edition for that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Also, like... Um, just a side note that uh, I went to Distant Worlds in Houston like about a month ago, and Arnie Roth actually mentioned about uh, how how he's also excited for 15's music to be played in in, in the live concerts, oh, and yeah, that's gonna be awesome. possibly happening like around next year. So, I mean, it builds up the hype and anticipation for 15's release, um, and I think that's a positive side. And also Tabata. He really wanted to make a great game, so I think it's important that keep the game's delay as long as you really do a good job on it. And, and exactly like, as as Tabata said himself, they have literally and figuratively been pouring their life into this game. It's been a decade in production, so yes. you know this. It definitely needed to happen. Uh, I can vouch for 
uh, his, uh, his decision because what I played at E3 personally, I felt was very rough and did not feel like it was anywhere near close to being a playable, uh, game that was, should have come out in September. Um, so I am personally, I personally support the delay wholeheartedly. Yeah. That being said, how do you, how do you feel it's going to affect 2.8? Well, let's first, how do you think it's going to affect it for you? Do you feel like you're in any weird situation? Do you feel like the amount of time, let's, let's just say hypothetically between one and a half to two weeks, do you feel like that's too much for you personally to finish Final Fantasy 15 and then go on to 2.8? Or do you feel like the, the gap that it will probably have will be enough for you? Um, I actually have another thing that's going on, with, and that is World of yeah. Final Fantasy. Oh, so, true. That's another. <laughs> that's another thing. But that, that's releasing October. Uh, yeah, it is releasing October. But okay. I haven't touched it until like winter break starts because oh. crazy, crazy time for me in uh, grad in grad school. So yeah, like, absolutely. I, I can imagine. So like, I would imagine like a month, and if I can like get through at least half of fifteen, or at least like one third of fifteen or like earlier as soon as it comes out and mm. then like the rest of my time would be for World of Final Fantasy and then finishing fifteen and then two point eight. And I would uh. just leave kinda of last because it's an ex- it's a game that's already been out like four years ago and like exactly. the others are complete new experiences. Now what about you don't think you'll take like maybe a quick break and knock out uh zero point two just real quick because it's not like a full game? You think you might no. do that? I think yeah or you'll I would save do- it. I would do an ent- I would do entirely of two point eight and like, um, yeah. I mean, because I think I believe that I could do a two point eight like in a short span of time because it's not a very it's not a it's not as big as the number of titles, but it's not yeah. as small as Recoded or Days. It's kind of in mm-hmm. between, kind of like yeah. work by sleep, kind of level. And so, also, I want to note one more thing. Actually, yeah. it's I mean, the delay for fifteen does is not in. In, does not do anything bad for 2.8. I mean, I mean, at the start, we we already know that Nomura had left 15 because he has to focus on his uh, other projects, which is mm-hmm. the Re- Seven remake and also his baby Kingdom Hearts. Um, and he already served his purpose in 15 as the main character designer, and and also he comes up with the main concept of it. So that's his part's done. The rest is Tabata, and that Nomura can just concentrating on like finishing 2.8 for December release. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I would definitely agree that I don't feel like um, the work schedule for 2.8 will be impacted. Uh, and the other thing that I thought was interesting from E3, what I would get was gathering from Tabata and the stuff he was uh, saying in interviews and stuff he was telling me in, in person. It seemed like 2.8 is, was actually in a really great state already back in june and basically the reason they were actually able to release that demo is because uh birth by sleep 0.2 was basically already done and they just cut off a slice from the finished game so that's Mm. that's why they were able to release that demo and you know like other games might struggle but for them it was like hey game's almost done let's cut off a slice and show it off at e3 um so i don't i would feel like from a work uh a work schedule uh, standpoint, they're totally fine. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're already done, <laughs> because, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So I, I'm not worried about that. What I I am personally a little bit worried about is more the sales standpoint. I feel oh. like because they're releasing so close together, um, mm-hmm. and because they're in the same genre, and they're because they're released by the same company, that mm-hmm. 
maybe not for Square Enix fans, because I think, you know, for a fan of Square Enix, they'll probably buy everything. They'll get World of Final Fantasy. They'll get Final Fantasy 15. They'll get 2.8. And just like with you, they'll just, you know, they'll find time for it. They'll put it all on their list and they'll get to those games eventually in, you know, whatever natural progression they want to get it, you know, get those done in. But I think for maybe slightly more casual Square Enix fans that might also just be gamers and they're just looking for games, I feel like 2.8 might be left by the wayside because unlike final fantasy 15 and unlike world of final fantasy it's not a full game it's got new content in it but that doesn't Mm -hmm. equate to the content of a full game so Mm -hmm. i'm personally a little bit worried when it comes to the reception from uh fans as a whole like not just square Enix or kingdom hearts fans but like gamers in general so it'll be interesting to see how it goes but i think for you know, if you're a Final Fantasy fan, if you're a Kingdom Hearts fan, I don't think you really need to worry. I think uh, the, there's, you know, there's always time to play games. And I don't think, while 15 does seem to be quite long, I don't think it'll take that long to complete. That's my personal opinion. So I think there's I think there's plenty of time, but it might you might see a little bit of an impact uh, yeah. immediately when it comes to sales. Though I will say yeah. one thing that I thought was interesting. I, I forget which podcast I brought it up on, but... Uh, if you go back and you actually look at the sales of Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and the sales of Kingdom Hearts 2.5, the first month sales were actually pretty bad. But yeah. if you look at how many they've sold to date now, both of them have sold over a million copies. And they're, yeah. they are HD remasters. That's not easy. So no. what's really interesting about these HD remasters is while they don't sell gangbusters when they first come out, they have what they call in the industry a long tail, which basically means unlike your, you know, uh, you know, like a Call of Duty, which sells yeah. a lot right away at the beginning when it's still new, mm-hmm. but after a while, just you know, it falls off a cliff. It doesn't sell as much. Unlike you know your your average AAA game, uh, a Kingdom Hearts HD Remaster Collection has a long tail because they're old games anyway. The people that want it may not necessarily be in a rush to buy it, so. Uh, mm-hmm. I think with, I think we may see most of the negative effects at the beginning, but long term, I think it might even out, especially as Kingdom Hearts three approaches release. Because when Kingdom Hearts three approaches release, you better believe they're gonna be like, "Hey, Kingdom Hearts three ain't out yet." But while you're waiting, you better get two point eight so you can get caught up because that has the entire prologue of Kingdom Hearts three. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. what I personally think. So anyone that's worried, I would say don't worry. Uh, and I would say just be prepared to hear news that 2.8 hasn't sold well at the get-go. And mm-hmm. just as a reminder, none of the HD remasters sold well at the get-go. But in the long term, it all yeah. opened out. So I'm moving on to our final question of the Patreon Spotlight. What are you personally looking forward to in Kingdom Hearts 3? Your next favorite Kingdom Hearts game, apparently. Oh, what, do you, well. what are you most excited for in Kingdom Hearts 3? Hmm... <sighs> I mean, okay, just to look back, like, this is why 2.8 was made, is to mm-hmm. build the high for Kingdom Hearts 3 yep. um, with 0.2 and the un- and back cover that it's supposed to intertwine with whatever is going to happen in Kingdom Hearts 3. And I'm curious where the story will lead in terms of, like, how will Xehanort meet his demise? How will the characters' uh, story arcs resolve? And also, will Kingdom Hearts be revealed and will the worlds actually become like one world instead of like these uh separate segmented worlds in the universe and i'm looking forward to the worlds the world selection and i'm hoping that 
it would be even more than the ones in Kingdom Hearts 2. Like yeah. if I just just Mar- real quick, how do you feel about the worlds that have been currently revealed? Do you like the ones that that we already know about? I think it's nice. I mean, you have uh, an old favorite, but they turn it up, turn it uh, a lot better with Olympus, and then yeah. they introduce new ones with Tangled, but and also Big Hero Six, which they're part of like this new era of Disney films that are that are currently out yet. Yeah, and um, I know people would expect Frozen to be the next world that would happen to appear in the game and i don't know about zootopia even if they had cross promotion through unchained key and maybe mm-hmm. that kind of cross promotion with unchained key would also happen with moana the next film that's coming out in yep. november um but yeah i'm excited to see what worlds that are going to appear in uh, h3 like more worlds but i was hoping that my favorite from dream drop distance would someday make a return in some form or or mm. like diff- at a different uh reincarnation of that world maybe using a different musical piece of from fantasia or fantasia yeah. 2000 would you be pleased with some like fantasia 2000 stuff yes definitely i mean um i also love the sequel actually even though it's not as great or as sophisticated as the first one but yeah it's a companion piece like most like most disney uh official sequels yeah the only thing i remember from fantasia 2000 that i really liked was the that Firebird. one animation about the the green lady forest lady, Firebird. that's the one. Firebird. Yeah, that's the one. I love. I think that that's one. everyone's favorite. Yeah, that's and, like their equivalent of Night on Bald, Bald Mountain. So, mm-hmm. that's that's got to be that's got to be the best out of the Fantasia two thousand ones. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be uh, you know I'd be super happy if they had that because that yeah. looked awesome back then. Especially in Unreal Engine. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, definitely. Beauty, that would all its beauty. Yep. And. Also, well, looking back to the, to the ser- to the series, like, well, we've gone through so many and like so many characters in the the down- ups and downs, and also their struggles. And we get to Kingdom Hearts three. I'm kind of seeing this kind of like the Harry Potter books, where mm. once we get to the final book, it's like it's over up to that point. Um, and I'm hoping that Kingdom Hearts three would be the fifteenth anniversary game in in the same vein as Dream Drop Distance was which was the 10th anniversary game, but yeah. I don't know what if that's even... Hopefully, gonna... oh man. I, yeah. I'm, st- I'm still personally holding out hope that the reason we haven't heard so much about Kingdom Hearts 3 is not because it's not as far in development, but, in, but rather that it's super far in development and they're just being really secretive about it. That's, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping it has happened. Because, I mean... From what it seems like, uh, I mean, I hate to bring this back, but a lot of voice actors have been, you know, saying, hey, I'm done with my recording for Kingdom Hearts 3. And the more we keep seeing about Kingdom Hearts related stuff, that seems to be accurate. So I'm personally <laughs> hoping I'm, I'm hoping against against my uh, my personal beliefs. I'm hoping that it's really far along and is right around the corner and will be uh, under my Christmas tree next year. <laughs> You know, give it a year. Yeah, even yeah, even like Utada, who we know, she's done all the theme songs for all the Kingdom Hearts titles. And when the incident happened in Twitter, like with her father, who answered yeah. this question, I think he was trolling everyone. Yeah. In the, in the and like like really, <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see though. I mean, yeah. I love- and uh, one one other question that I'm gonna throw you a curveball is, uh, so at in Kingdom Hearts three. How would you like the series to be, um, well, maybe not concluded, but 
how would you like it to be uh, set? How would you like the re- the rest of the series to be set up? What would you want to see in Kingdom Hearts three to set up the remainder of the series? Like, for example, no. you said you'd like to see if the world would get fused into one. Would you like to see more of a you know if there is a secret movie? Would you want it to feel more like a completely new start completely fresh slate maybe not necessarily a reboot but like you know it seems like what is shown in the secret movie doesn't have that much to do with what has happened in the past would you like Mm. something like that or would you want more of a direct sequel that uh heavily relies on what has happened in the past what Um, what direction would you feel is most appropriate for kingdom hearts well i feel like i mean from the start that why Three is heavily promoted as the end of the Xehanort saga or the Dark Seeker mm-hmm. saga. That I think from from that point on, it should like start a whole new saga, like kind of like in Star Wars. Now that they finished with yep. um, the first six, and then now it, we're in the middle of the this new trilogy yes. that's been going on. Um, and like I feel like with the the idea that when Kingdom Hearts is revealed, all the worlds become one again, it gives me this idea that. Um, there should be like one world and all the bits and pieces of Disney worlds are kind of like like towns and continents and something yeah. that I imagine seeing in like uh, open world games or yeah. something like Final Fantasy 15 that's going to come out soon. Yeah. I think it's as like the taste of uh, gamers these days. They want open world where they can yeah. roam to vast environments that are seamless and also that it would have been interesting also that if, if he was as close as... Kingdom Hearts Key would be something as close as like, like the idea of one world, but they're all in a same. I mean, like they're they're not separated. They're just you need to in a book. <laughs> yeah, in a book. <laughs> yeah, that that's the case for Key. Basically, yeah. all the worlds are Winnie the Pooh in in Kingdom yeah. Hearts Key. Yeah. Uh, what I think is will be kind of interesting to watch out for is I think we need to see what does Nomura do with Final Fantasy VII Remake because. In that instance, he is presented with the exact same problem because mm-hmm. in the original Final Fantasy VII, it was all one world, and yes. the way they used to tackle it back in the day is that you would have uh, you would have areas, and then you would have an overworld, and you would go into these uh, representations of those areas, and then you would you know enter a linear area, but when you got out of it, you were on the overworld. The way yeah. Final Fantasy XV chose to uh, interpret that is by going pure open world that actually was yes. not the way versus was always going to be uh versus actually if you look back there was actually mm-hmm. a, a design document that was uh displayed at tokyo game show 2008 that described final fantasy versus 13 as having three distinct states basically you would have your areas which is basically like kingdom hearts 2 style levels you would have your regions which is basically how final fantasy 12 handled their world and then you would have the overworld, which is basically like an old school uh, PS1 style overworld where, you know, you have representations of areas on the world map and you can fly in an airship. That's how Versus 13 was going to be done. What I really want to see is, okay, now that Nomura is working on FF7, which has the exact same problem again in next gen, how is he going to handle that open world uh, or that overworld? How is he going to handle this one world? And I think... That would be, however he handles that, is how he would probably handle a Kingdom Hearts game that had one world. That's just my personal opinion, but I think for us, because I agree, I would love to see a Kingdom Hearts game with one world, and I'd love to see it open world. But I think, you know, if we're going to see any, you know, 
sneak peek of what that could be like, I think Final Fantasy VII Remake is the place we need to be looking, rather than maybe Final Fantasy XV, because um, I, from what it sounds like, uh, Final Fantasy VII is almost like Final Fantasy versus XV. It's like <laughs> it's trying to it's trying to compete with uh, XV and trying to do things a different way because they, you know, Nomura was knocked off that project and he's going to do all the things he wanted to do in 15 but through the seven remakes so that's that's just my personal opinion but mm-hmm. so this has been a great discussion satria you got uh, a, a lot of really great uh insight into the kingdom hearts series and uh you know it's been such a pleasure i just want to thank you uh so much for your support on patreon it really does uh make this show possible and uh yeah um thank you so much for uh for being on the show Woohoo! awesome thanks for having me in the show as no well. problem <laughs> All right, and now moving on to the question segment. Uh, if you guys want to send your questions in for the podcast, please send them to khuquestions at gmail.com. If you've got more than one question, feel free to send them all in the email that you send off, and uh, we'll definitely get to uh, them in the future. Uh, we usually pick out one per email in a uh, given episode, but we'll you know definitely... Always come back and pick out more if we're ever uh, hungry for questions. So uh, definitely send us some questions. Send us one, send us 20, send us a million. Uh, We always want your questions. (laughs) So anyway, the first question comes from Nico Gonzalez. And uh, Nico asks, uh, so as far as the player knew, at the time of Kingdom Hearts 2's gameplay, Organization 13's plans were to have Sora destroy Heartless for them and gather, uh, for them to gather a Kingdom Hearts to become complete again. Now, the only reason Sora disliked the organization was because of Zien Sid's teachings. The only noticeable evil acts the organization had done before the uh, before the Hollow Bastion Heartless War was to try to turn Beast into a Heartless. Now. What if Yen Sid never warned Sora of them, and what if the organization simply came to Sora for aid rather than forcing him? I'm sure Sora would be okay with helping people become complete again, because that was a struggle he faced before himself. So how do you think this would affect Kingdom Hearts 2's plot and also the series, also including the fact that in Dream Drop Distance, that being complete was never the organization's true goal in the first place. So, great question. Um, let's take this piece by piece, because, you know, obviously there's a lot. So, uh, yeah, Sora's dislike for the organization comes from, uh, mostly from Yen Sid's teaching. And uh, I would say the other source which I think could still, you know, tip Sora off. Uh, actually, there's two. And namely, Mickey and Riku. Now, I personally feel that if Yen Sid didn't tell Sora, Mickey would have told Sora, or at the very least, maybe Sora would have started to help the organization, and when he bumped into Mickey, Mickey would be like, hey, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> Don't do that. They're evil, uh, you don't remember this, but they locked you up in a tower and stole all your memories. Remember how you uh, ended up in a pod and just woke up and all that? Why aren't you 
why aren't you concerned about that? Why didn't haven't you asked any of us what happened? <laughs> That's another interesting plot hole. Sora never really cares that he was just in a pod. Whatever. Um, I, I feel like Mickey would have told him. Uh, Riku probably also would have gotten in his way and tried to, you know, stop him from helping the organization. Um, but barring those two, let's say for some reason, I don't know, Riku and Mickey, they're, they, they just... They don't see Sora doing this stuff. Um, I personally feel that... I, I mean, I guess by the end of it, you know, it, it would be probably clear that what they're trying to do is turn Sora into one of, you know, Xemnas' lackeys, like he always is trying to do, or how Xehanort was trying to do in Dream Drop Distance. I, I have a feeling that they would find out. I mean, they must at some point in the game because, you know, otherwise then there's no conflict because, I mean, the main source of conflict in Kingdom Hearts 2 is the organization. Uh, I mean, apart from them, you know, have Maleficent and Pete, but they're kind of bumbling idiots in Kingdom Hearts 2. And what they do is really not that effective. So apart from Pete and Maleficent, there's really no serious threat. So I figure at some point, uh, the secret would be revealed and, uh, you know, Sora would realize he's been played for a fool and he'll, uh, take out his anger and angst on the organization. Um, now let's just say hypothetically speaking, you know, we don't care about how, uh, interesting and entertaining the plot of Kingdom Hearts 2 is and we decide to write a story where there's no conflict for some reason in an action game we decide to write a story where there's no conflict and Sora just does whatever the organization says all right so let's say that happens uh then what would happen is uh so then S Sora helps them to quote unquote become whole, and then the entire organization gets turned into Zehanorts, and presumably Sora would as well. And uh, then, hey, maybe next game you play as Riku trying to unZehanort Sora, <laughs> uh, or 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 any other you know possibility you can think of. Um, but yeah, I, I think if or if Zemnus got his way and was sneakily getting Sora to help him. I'm sure Sora would want to be there on the day everybody gets to become complete, right? And, oh, hey, everybody's becoming Xehanort. You're Xehanort, you're Xehanort. And Sora, you know what? You might as well be Xehanort as well. And Sora will be caught off guard and become Xehanort. So that's what I think would end up happening. If somehow, despite... You know, the fact that Riku knows that Organization 13's evil, despite the fact that Diz knows, despite the fact that Mickey knows. I mean, it seems really unlikely, but if, if all those things failed, if somehow, let's say, Organization 13 went through and killed Diz, Riku, and Mickey, then I think at the end of the day, Sora would have gone along with it so far as to complete Kingdom Hearts and get turned into... Zehanort, okay, you know, just like all the others. Now, other than that, I think even if Yensid didn't tell him, I think Diz at some point Mickey would have got. I, I think Mickey would have tried to get in the way first. 
then it would have been Riku getting in the way, and then sh- sure as heck, uh, Yen t- or Diz is not going to let Organization 13's plot get any further, and he will, you know, stop Sora aggressively if necessary. So, and I think even Riku would have been aggressive, you know, in in his attempts to stop Sora. But I think uh, Diz more so because Diz doesn't have like a per- a personal connection to Sora. Whereas Mickey and Riku do. So interesting thought. And uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine, you know, how how different the series would be. But I, I would say uh, Sora probably wouldn't be the main character anymore. And you probably have to, you know, I think the next push for the series would have been to get Sora back, you know, which kind of was what happened in 358 getting Sora back was kind of Riku's charge, even though you didn't play as Riku. So interesting thoughts, nonetheless. Our next question comes from Alex Troutman. So uh, Alex Troutman asks, uh, I wanted to ask a question that actually came up on the Team 4 Star Kingdom Hearts 1 live stream. They brought up a question. Who do you think is speaking to Sora in the tutorial section of Kingdom Hearts 1? And past that, who do you think is speaking to Roxas during the tutorial of 2? Hmm, so that's a good question. Now, if you ask me from a Kingdom Hearts 1 2002 perspective, who is talking to Sora? Uh, The voice of God, uh, the narrator, Nomura himself, whatever. (laughs) It's the omniscient voice that is the narrator. That's who I think is speaking. I don't think Nomura really thought out who was speaking to Sora in 2002. If you ask me from a, you know, 2016 perspective, who do you think is speaking to Sora? Okay, so if they're, you know, if it had to be someone, it might be Ven, but the way the writing is doesn't sound like Ven at all. Um, Maybe all these years Ven has matured (laughs) inside Sora, I guess. That's a weird way to grow up, weird way to experience puberty, but maybe it happened. Um, so I would say Ven is probably the most likely candidate because, um, the area in which, uh, these voices are heard is the stations of the heart, meaning this sort of occurs in Sora's heart and Ven is in Sora's heart. So that would make sense. Uh, by that extension for Roxas, maybe it was Sora talking. I don't think Sora would speak the same way that the voice speaks to Roxas, but hey, maybe that's who it is. I mean, those are the best candidates that I can think of from a lore reason, but from a personality and character standpoint, I don't feel they fit at all uh, because of the way it's written. So I guess you could think maybe it's some sort of omniscient power for both of them, you know, a, a sort of god for the Kingdom Hearts universe and... I mean, to some extent, the quote-unquote god of Kingdom Hearts is Nomura, so it's it's Nomura. <laughs> Nomura's the one who's, who's speaking. Or, I mean, if, if you want to get really serious, I, I mean, I don't know who actually writes the dialogue. I, I'm sure there's, you know, pick a scenario writer off the staff list. That That's the voice. <laughs> that's the voice that's speaking, because they wrote the line. Um, I mean, that's, that, that sounds like kind of a uh, flippant... Uh, cop-out answer but i mean to some extent that's kind of true in writing is that the narrator is it doesn't really have a character and the closest thing you could have to 
a character for an omniscient narrator is the actual writer themselves. It's kind of like if, you know, if we're talking, this can get really deep, but if we're talking about like old, like ancient forms of storytelling, what would have, what would a narrator have been in an ancient story? So in old times, the way stories were given was orally, you know, you know, speaking. So who's the narrator in a, you know, who plays the narrator when someone is telling you the story? Well, it's the person telling you the story. So they'll be like, and Jack and Sally were walking down the woods, blah, 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 blah. And little did, little did they know, uh, something happened. And, and then, you know, that, that whole section of that story was coming from the voice of the guy giving the story. It, it wasn't dialogue. So the narrator, who plays the narrator? The author, the person delivering the story. So I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird tangent, but I would say an interesting philosophical one. So who's who's the voice? It's Nomura's the voice. Whoever is the scenario writer, they're the voice. <laughs> At the end of the day, if you really want a true, legit answer, like 100%, that's who they are in the context of the story is there probably a character that is giving that speech and talking directly to sora maybe i don't know let's 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 just think it's no more for now because i think it's funnier that way Alrighty, so that has been our episode i hope you enjoyed it for the music for this episode we have a very interesting cover um uh, i picked this because it was so uh, bizarre. I'd never he- heard anyone attempt something like this before, and I, I hope you uh, agree that this is super cool. So this is a cover of the 13th Struggle from Kingdom Hearts 2 on an alto sax. And when you hear this, you're going to be so surprised because it's like, man, this guy is really good. Like, this is very experimental. Uh, typically, you know, these kinds of songs aren't played on sax. I would expect this more from like, I don't know, some sort of horn or trumpet or I don't know. I don't know my instruments too well. I don't even know what they're made of. <laughs> but anyway, so this comes from Brandon Skelton. This is uh, on YouTube. Uh, this is 13 Struggle, Kingdom Hearts 2, alto sax cover. Definitely enjoy it. Super cool. Uh, the next Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 6th of September. And as always, you guys can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one. And of course, catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com, YouTube.com slash KHUnionVids, or Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KHUltimania. And as always, please consider supporting us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. It's with your support that we're able to improve the show and make things super cool and do crazy stuff. And maybe one day, hopefully I'll get better internet (laughs) and we'll actually keep improving. But yeah, definitely, uh, if you like the show and you want to keep uh, keep us going and help us improve the show. Definitely support us at patreon.com slash Oh, and also if you have any questions for the show or have any ideas for stuff we can talk about on the show, please send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. Alrighty. It is goodbye time. So sad, but an enjoyable episode. I hope you enjoyed the, uh, Patreon, uh, spotlight segment. It was really fun to record and I know Satria enjoyed it as well. And uh, yeah, so hopefully next time we'll have Churro and Sabby back. I miss them so much. <laughs> 
And um, yeah, hopefully I'll have more good news next episode. Like, oh yay, my internet's fast, or oh yay, I have fiber optic. That's, uh, it might be reaching, but hopefully, hopefully, you know, wish me luck. So uh, anyway, uh, it's time to say my goodbye, so uh, I'll see you next time. So I'm Brandon, saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production.